want it. Bobby Thompson had done it. And Yogi read the comics all the while. Rock and roll was being born. Marijuana we would scorn. So down on the corner, the national pastime went on trial. We're talking baseball. Klazuski, Campanella, talking baseball. The man and Bobby Feller, the scooter, the barber, and the new. Welcome back to Real Voices of the Game. I'm Dave D'Agostino, joined here by my co-host and star of this show, Jim Rooney. This is Toe the Rubber, episode 414 on our network. Got to double check that number, make sure I got it right. 414 on our network. It's the first podcast of a triple header Thursday. So you guys are opening it up for us. Uh, before we get going with our ad reads, we're going to do that in the beginning so we don't interrupt content today. I uh, just want to introduce uh, Jim and welcome back to his show and, and say good morning to you. Jim, how's it going today? Everything's going good. A little cold in South Carolina, but uh, we're all going pretty good. I'm, I'm with you, buddy. I'm only a, a couple hours away from you, and I woke up this morning. We were talking a little basketball before the show because our kids are multi-sport athletes, and uh, I, uh, we, we, get, we homeschool our kids. So uh, with two of them out there shooting, it was 29 degrees out, but I wasn't going to stop them because they, uh, my neighbor grabbed me yesterday when it was cold out, and he, goes, he asked my older son, uh, Blue, he's like, Hey, you know, you ought to ask your dad if you don't have to shoot. He goes, no, this is on, this is on us. And by the way, I don't want to hear the kerosene story again. And, uh, you know, and, and you and I can relate to this probably, Jim, and our, our guests can too. And when we grew up in the cold weather. You get out and shovel shovel the driveway a little bit and you, you, you do whatever you're doing. If it happens to be basketball, you're shooting your hoops. And when the ball gets a little cold, it, you know, loses air. So you got to bring it in. And we used to stick it next to the kerosene heater, let it expand a little bit, then get right back out there and shoot. So, um I guess in lieu of hearing that story again, Blue and Tanner stayed out there and started shooting, and our daughters followed suit. So, um, but uh, we got a great guest today. Uh, and I hope you guys have your pad and paper handy and your pens handy to take notes because this guy's got the Midas touch, just like our our host here, Jim Rooney. Their philosophy is you keep you keep guys playing longer, harder, and and healthier, and they they've certainly exemplified that in their career. Kind of the Midas touch, based on how people do it today. Um, but before we get going, a couple of sponsor reads. Want to make sure we support our guys, Blackout Coffee, their slogan, Be Awake, Not Woke. If you use Jim's code at checkout, it's J-A-M-E-R, all caps, number 20, you'll get 20% off your first purchase. Use his link following that and you'll get 15% off in perpetuity. Uh, second sponsor, which we love, our newest one, Jaw Bats. They just got certified to be in Major League Baseball, so you'll see their bats circulating throughout the minors. Definitely, hopefully some big leaguers get to use it. Our very own Jeff Fry is using it down at Red Sox Fantasy Camp this week. You'll see him and Lou Merlino with their their crazy uh, YouTube Twitter videos going on, so follow them as well. But Jaw Bats, tremendous, uh, tremendously made bat, very meticulous, uh, very few grains, great finishes on it. The guys take, uh, I mean, they take pride in what they're doing. I, I love them to pieces. Tanner's got his bat he's been using. He speaks very highly of it. So jaw bats, use RBG at checkout, and you will get 15% off. Not just bats, but anything you want on their website. So take a look at our friends, jaw bats. And then our newest two sponsors that we're going to do some ad reads for. So I ask you guys just to sit patiently for these ad reads, 90 seconds apiece. Don't skip through them. These are two supporters of ours, so let's support them with our podcast here. Uh, first one's going to be Liquid IV, followed up by our very own Zencaster. We certainly want to support them since they've helped support this rookie producer for the last two years. So um, sit tight here for Liquid IV and then Zencaster. 
Liquid IV is the category winning hydration brand fueling your well-being. Their hydration multiplier is a great tasting non-GMO electrolyte drink mix powered by cellular transport technology to deliver hydration to the body faster and more efficiently than water alone. Hydration isn't only for people training for championships and marathons. It's about daily maintenance. I use it when I travel, watch my kids play in soccer or basketball games, back for back-to-back conference calls, or even neighborhood walks. Proper functional hydration is essential, and Liquid IV is the number one powered, powdered hydration brand in America. Their hydration multiplier is the one product you're missing in your daily routine. For me, it's the Liquid IV flavors. They offer 12 unique flavors, from strawberry lemonade to Concord grape, my favorite, acai berry. One stick of Liquid IV and 16 ounces of water hydrates you two times faster and more efficiently than water alone. It contains five essential vitamins with three times the electrolytes of leading sports drinks. It's made from quality ingredients, non-GMO, free from gluten, dairy, and soy. That's why I'm asking you, take a look at this. This is for real people. It's got real flavors. It's real hydrating. And you can get 20% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use our code RVG at checkout. That's 20% off anything you order when you stop when you shop better hydration today using our promo code RVG at liquidiv.com. Zencaster. How to start podcasting with Zencaster. It's now the all-in-one solution making podcasting easy. It's the ultimate web-based podcasting solution. It provides high-quality audio and video podcast production and hosting. With a full suite of professional tools, podcasters can seamlessly record, produce, and publish studio-quality content all from one dashboard. Being a creator has never been easier. Why did I choose Zencaster? Three years ago, I had never listened to a podcast. Now, I've successfully produced almost 400 podcasts in the last two and a half years, all using Zencaster, and it's so easy. Log in using your browser and start recording a high-quality podcast right away record studio quality sound, and up to 4,000 videos with your guests. Feel a sense of Zen knowing Zencaster's multi-layered backups ensure you always have your recordings in the highest quality, even if the connection is unstable. And it's all in one. If you have thought about podcasting before and realized that you need a lot of different tools and services, those days are over. With Zencaster's all-in-one podcasting platform, you can create your podcast all in one place and distribute to Spotify, Apple, and other major destinations. What am I asking from you? Go to Zencaster.com slash pricing and use my code, all capitals, RVG, and you'll get 30% off your first month of any Zencaster paid plan. I want you to have the same easy experience I do for all my podcasting and content needs. It's time to share your story. Thanks for your guys' patience with that and our audience here. Got one more quick announcement. Uh, Jim, I haven't mentioned this to you yet, but Sports Podcast Group, uh, we have been nominated for our production group, uh, Real Voice of the Game, for Podcast Group of the Year, which is we're up against a lot of the big dogs. I don't know what our chances are being a a smaller group and a newbie, but you see groups like ESPN up there for it. And and then our flagship program, our individual podcast of Coaching Kern has been nominated uh, for the individual podcast of the year. So up against the likes of guys like Colin Cowherd and what. And so a lot of ESPN people, a lot of Fox people on there. But I did I did tell uh, the guys, each guy in the show, that if we do win and we do get an awards that's similar to like an Emmy, that I will let you guys keep them. Because I don't know if you saw the ESPN debacle where they had to return all their, they did some fake fake awards or 
signings. They, they had to return all those awards recently. That is did awesome. Catch, did you catch that at all with ESPN? They had to, they, they fudged some awards. They had to return them all. Yes, I did. And the yes. first thought that came into my head when you said that, uh, Real Voices of the Game is up against some uh, some big wigs, including ESPN. I, my f- initial thought was, I wonder how much of those uh, ESPN podcasts were actually done by real people. <laughs> yeah, right. A lot of them are AI there. But so I appreciate your guys' pres- or, uh, patience with this stuff. But you're going to love today's guest, Jim. I'll turn it over to you, let you introduce him. But the one thing I want you guys to keep in mind, it's a common thread throughout our program, talking to our 65,000 subscribers. Smart people tend to find value. Uh, by thinking about things in first principle, meaning they don't let outside influences clog their brain. And the, the, our host, Jim Rooney, and our guest today, I won't spoil the, the punchline, these guys rely on first principles, um, not on formulas to dictate their thinking. So with that, I'll turn it over to you, Jim, let you introduce our, our great guest today. Well, thank you, Dave. Um, I, I got to be honest with everybody. Um, for me, it's a great honor to uh, introduce this guest I believe uh, we first met in um, in 2000 when I went to work for the Toronto Blue Jays. So we worked together for with the Blue Jays, and then we worked together again with the Milwaukee Brewers. So our guest is longtime uh, athletic trainer, Major League Baseball athletic trainer, Tommy Craig. Tommy, welcome to the program. Thank you, Jim, and uh, I appreciate you guys having me on this morning. Well, one of the things, um, I'm going to put a post up on Rooney Baseball today that really goes into depth of uh, of Tommy, or as we affectionately call him, TC, uh, what he's accomplished in his career, um, what his experiences have been, what his knowledge is. Um, it's, it's far too lengthy to go over it right now, but there's two pieces of information that I want everybody to understand. First off was TC was the head athletic trainer for the Toronto Blue Jays during their back-to-back World Series uh, championships, 92 and 93. And I looked it up this morning, and there's only four teams since 1960 that have accomplished that feat. The Reds in 75-76, the A's won three in a row from 72-74, and the Yankees did it three times, including – three in a row in from uh, 98 to 2000. So TC and the Blue Jays are in quite an exclusive group right there. And part of the reason why, when you consider that the Blue Jays were an expansion club, and uh, I've heard all the stories about, you know, when they first started and with Bobby Maddox and the whole crew. Um, but one of the reasons why they were so successful is that once TC became the uh, had athletic trainer, major league uh, trainer for the Blue Jays. They went 10 consecutive years leading the major leagues in the least amount of disabled list days. That right there uh, is absolutely phenomenal because I was part of a crew with Tommy in Milwaukee, and we thought we had it going pretty good when we went five years in a row being in the top three. And here's TC running an operation where 10 years in a row, they were number one in baseball. So that's quite an accomplishment. So uh, with that all being said, uh, Tommy, welcome to the show. Um, A couple of things that we've always exchanged in the past um, was the importance of uh, the posterior chain. Um, 
Can you go into some detail uh, as far as your opinions on how important they are? Yeah, Jim, uh, thanks, first of all, for the introduction. And uh, that was one of my pet peeves. I always took a personal interest in keeping players on the field. Uh, it was uh, something I took pride in. I think I did it more so by utilizing my hands and what I said to them, how I talked to them over modalities. Um, but uh, I didn't realize that we had that going until many years later uh, when they started keeping records. And one of our executives came over and said he was in charge of keeping DL records uh, for Major League Baseball. So we had the least amount of man hours loss due to injury, and uh, I was proud of that at the time. Uh, going back to the posterior chain, or what we call the posterior rotator cuff uh, on the shoulder. Um, many people today talk about velocity, accelerating. Um, when it comes to posterior chain, I always had a very good analogy on how to explain it. And I always thought the pitcher's mind would let the arm go forward as quick as it, it knew it could stop. So um, the analogy I have is a dragster. Say a dragster is going a quarter of a mile running 500 miles an hour. And when he crosses the finish line, the first thing the driver does is take his foot off the gas, hit the brakes, and then the chute comes out. And that's very close to what we got in baseball in a throwing arm. You got an arm moving at 7,000 degrees per second. Then you got ball release. So that's the uh, middle part of a quarter of a mile. And then when ball release occurs, you got the brakes coming into play. And that's the rotator cuff. And then when the chute comes out, that's the scapular stabilizers. So they're all working to stop acceleration. And that takes a lot more force and torque on the shoulder. And uh, today, the emphasis is placed on acceleration and velocity. And that isn't where it should be. I never hear anybody running out an accelerator, even in the car. But you hear a bunch of people running out the brakes. And that's what's happening today with a lot of our young pitchers. Well said. Uh, um, when when you're um, when you're talking about the the the, the accelerators, the brakes, and you, you laid it out as the uh, external rotators that initiated the slowing down process, and then it goes back through the kinetic chain and the scapular stabilizers, and then with that efficient, you know, delivery that has balance and control, uh, we always relate it here to. Uh, Throwing a baseball is about creating force and controlling force. Uh, what 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 force doesn't get to the ball has to be reabsorbed along the kinetic chain. And uh, the more efficiently you do that, then basically what happens is the large muscles accelerate the body, and then the large muscles eventually slow the body. Uh, would you agree with that? Yes, I think everything comes from the ground up. Uh, we've always said it. Uh, pitchers should always have good, strong base 
legs, lower extremity, good strong core, and then uh, the uh, obviously the shoulder should be strong in the back um, because it's one big kinetic chain, like you're saying. So if you've got a weak link in the middle, say the core is weak or your legs are weak, the arm's shortly behind it. And uh, if everything's working in sync, like we're talking about right here, um, and everything is uh, muscularly balanced, then the arm should just be a passenger along for the ride. So um, what I'm saying, I guess, in a sense, is a lot of people work the muscles they can see, and there's a lot of talk about internal rotation, working um, to get better velocity, and we're forgetting once you get it started, something's got to stop it. And that's where all the force and torque is going um, on the posterior cuff. So uh, that part is what's being neglected um, all along what we're seeing today. When the shoulder gets weak and uh, the brakes are not working properly, then we uh, end up with stress going to the next joint. And guess where that is? That's the elbow. That's why we're having a lot of Tommy John type of injuries. I remember back in the years when we had David Wells, and uh, I trade, we traded him to, over to Detroit, and I called Russ Miller over there to fill him in on David Wells and tell him all about his, you know, his work ethic, and we had to constantly work on his posterior cuff and the brakes. And David went over there and told Russ that uh, – we got to work my brakes. And he was thinking of it as like a, a muscle, like a brachialis or something. You know, that was the name of it. Where really it's uh, the form, you know, the muscles that make up the external rotators of the uh, rotator cuff. So that was a funny story that uh, Ross Miller and I encountered back in the day. Dave, I, I have a. I have a quick story that I think will bring into light um, for the audience um, some of the understanding of the insights that TC brings to the game. So when I was a pitch, um, when I moved on from the pitching coordinator to be national scouting supervisor for the Brewers, we've had the story, we've discussed it about uh, how we were able to get Brandon Woodruff in the 11th round and all the hard work and dedication and, um, and uh, knowledge that the area scout Scotty Nichols had of Brandon Woodruff since he was 13 years old. Um, but the interesting thing for me was that, um, you know, obviously I, I loved Brandon Woodruff. Okay. I thought he was an athletic, strong individual that threw bowling balls at 93 to 95. He was going to throw harder and a lot of different things. And he was a competitor. So the first time I, uh, that summer, uh, when Tommy came to the Brewers, he uh, he stayed close to home in Florida, uh, you know, for his kids and his uh, his son was playing ball at the time. So he was the head athletic trainer for uh, our team in Brevard County in the Florida State League. And Brandon Woodruff was assigned there. And I can remember coming into town the first time that summer and TC takes me aside and he goes, hey, Runes, I don't know where we got this Woodruff kid, but let me tell you something. That's the best shoulder I ever laid my hands on. This guy's going to be a big leaguer. And 
Now, while that put a smile on my face, let's just understand something. By that time, TC hadn't really seen him pitch in a game yet. He was just doing his, uh, you know, his preseason evaluations when everybody shows up to the club. So just consider something. Um, we went back a couple of, couple of weeks, maybe, maybe a month or so now, and we had Vinny Perez on. And he talked about, you know, sometimes if he could bottle what he's trying to do with a young man, a young pitcher, uh, he could probably make a mint. But he works with each individual, uh, you know, individually. Everything is about the person, not about what his program is. Uh, you've heard me say that when we're trying to work with young coaches, parents, and young players, that it's about the individual and things should be individualized to help it out. Tommy Craig had the ability to just lay his hands on this kid's shoulder and move him around and give him an evaluation and already predicted he was going to be, be a big leaguer and a successful big leaguer. And uh, we, don't, we know how that story ended up. The guy's an all-star pitcher. Um, yeah. well, he Tommy, was one of the most interesting guys in the game when you, when you guys had him. He, he was uh, without doubt. Hey, let me ask you a question, TC. Uh, not, and we can come back to that too. I know in, in talking to you last night and talking to Jim, you had some time with the Rocket. And you mentioned David Wells. Um, you know, guys as they grow late in their career tend to break down. What, what were some of the key attributes that helped a, a guy like Clemens uh, stay healthy for such a long period of time? What, what, what were the things you impressed upon him? Well, he had great work ethic, number one, and he had a routine um, all during the week, not just the day he pitched. But on the day he pitched, he was very much locked in. Uh, he did uh, his routine, and then he would come back to me at, say, 6 o'clock, and we would go through our shoulder stretching routine. And um, at the time, he had a groin strain in one of those years that I had him when he did win the Cy Young Award. And um, we used a... So, of course, some strengthening exercises and a wrap. And um, Roger always used a wrap in his career to help him stay back. But there was no one that worked harder on his lower half, keeping that strong. And then uh, he would do exercises with me, and he would never miss or get out of sync on what he was doing. So he stuck by his routine uh wholeheartedly throughout the whole, uh, you know, time that I had him. And we won those two Cy Young Awards back-to-back. Uh, -back. It was 97 and 98. At the age of what? He was over 40 by then, right, or close to 40? I think he was close to it. But I'm not sure the exact age. But, uh, uh, yeah, he would, he, would, uh, he would stick by his guns and – uh, the day he pitched, he pretty much took over the training room, and everybody else just kind of got out of there and let my assistant and me do our thing. What's the common denominator between all these? You've had a lot of success. Jim chronicled it um, in the preamble, and everything you say just lends to that. Um, what are some common denominators amongst these pitchers? You mentioned work ethic. You had the the Miyagi moment where you touch Woodruff's shoulder and you just felt in it, like what, 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 as much as you can, you know, break down what are some common denominators physically, mentally, emotionally that, that have helped, helped you help these guys have success. Yes. Uh, preparation, 
I think these guys, uh, they worked out all week long. They just didn't work out on the day they pitched. Like we would do stretching. I would do manual stretches to keep their range of motion. Then we'd do manual resistive exercises, or that's known as PNF. So proprioception neurofacilitation, which is a big word for manual resisted exercise. I did some of them, and then we'd incorporate um, tubing and light weights. Um, but the big thing I want to emphasize here is there's there's no quick fix. Um, people today want a quick fix. They want to skip from A to J, and they want to pull up to the drive-through window and order a strong shoulder, a muscularly uh, developed shoulder that's muscularly imbalanced or balanced and throw 94 miles an hour and drive out on the other side and think it's going to happen overnight. You didn't get that way. Uh, you know, there's no quick fix, so you got to work towards it. And that's what uh, I would put out there today. The young kids are being told to do um, long toss, and they're going to do uh, weighted balls. Well, you got to prepare for all that beforehand, and that's where you got to work on things like your posterior cuff like your scapular stabilizers and pull more than you push because you got to work what's in the back, not what's in the front. What's in the front is more what speeds up your arm and what's in the back is what slows down your arm. And it takes way more uh, strength and muscular balance to stop an arm than it does to start it. And now these guys are having people just throw and finish and recoil. And that puts some more torque on the back of the shoulder. And and therefore, it leads to problems. So I guess my take-home message is always work the external rotators. Don't be so concerned about working internal rotation, but work external rotation. And... um, You know, you just, you can't um, continue to keep doing the same thing because it's uh, very alarming and affecting the game. And until we change things at the upper levels, uh, you know, nothing will trickle down. And I'll give you an example. Um, Let's say for the first time ever, the average major league career is now less than 2.5 years. And just looking at pitchers, it's now less than 1.8 seasons. And this is coming from Dr. Keith Meister, who's a good friend of mine. I was just with him at Dr. Andrew's retirement party, and we were talking in the airport as we were leaving. And lo and behold, here I am a week later talking about this very thing. And he's the team physician and orthopedic consultant for a lot of teams in baseball, but mainly he's the orthopedic surgeon for the world champion Texas Rangers. And he's saying 25% of major league pitchers had 
UCL or Tommy John surgery in 2016. Today, in 2023, that's 35%. The average lifespan of TG, TJs decreasing a guy's uh, career at upper levels. He's blowing out at two to three years from throwing these sweeping sliders and hard change-ups. And they're spiking in velocity, but more importantly, they're also designing these high-spin pitches that have resulted in significant reoccurring injuries, mainly to the elbow. And uh, this is the stuff that driveline and cover programs and the emphasis have been destructive to our youthful pitchers. And what occurs is that major league level is a trickle-down effect. And until our emphasis is, goes the other way and uh, – our, our scouting have on pitcher selections and what's occurring at the youth level is going to only continue to worsen. And uh, I had the luxury of working with Mike Maddox back in the day, and he says we need to get back to grassroots pitching, and he's absolutely right. I also worked with Ray Miller, who was a longtime pitching coach with the Baltimore Orioles. He and I worked together in Puerto Rico, and he said – we got to learn to throw strikes. We got to change speeds, control the zone, and hold runners. Did you hear anything in there about see how hard you can throw it? Velocity. Repeat that again for our audience. Those four things. He said you got to learn to throw strikes, change speeds, control the zone, which means control the pitching zone, and hold runners. Um, and that's so right, um, you know, because there's nothing that says um, throwing harder and higher is better uh, right now. And I remember when we would go into Kansas City in 1985 and face the likes of Brett Saberhagen, Bud Black, who was a little lefty, and Charlie Liebert and Mark Gugazar. Um, the Blue Jays had a real good hitting team. But you would think that the hard throwers, the Brett Saberhagen with the good slider and Mark Gugazar, would be the ones that would deal. They did pitch well against us, but Charlie Liebert and Bud Black screwed us up for three days changing speeds, and pitching in with cutters. And we had more ground outs to the third baseman and ended up losing in the American League Championship. And guess who went on to win the World Series? Kansas City Royals. Um, my point is pitching, changing speeds, uh, taking it away when you think they're going to put it on, put it on when they think you're going to take it away and keep it in the zone. And, uh, you know, that's, that's kind of some of the take-home message here uh, that I like to deliver. And, uh, you know, it's, it's very alarming to think that you can teach these kids just to throw hard at all costs when they're not prepared and their arm is not uh, able to, you know, stop. 
and not be able to slow down this process. Um, the spike we're seeing in injuries is somewhat anecdotal, but Dr. Neil Alatrash out in LA and Dr. Keith Meister are seeing most of the elbows and they're seeing the same things. And, you know, we got we to gotta do something about this and try to reverse all of this. Um, here's a stat that's pretty interesting. In 2012, there were three kids that threw 94 miles per hour or higher. And in 2013, there were 17 in the perfect game, All-American game. 54 kids threw over 94. My guess is half of them will blow out in the next one to five years. And that was Keith Meister. <laughs> I, I don't know why throwing hard is supposedly the end-all cure-all. Uh, going back to Brandon Woodworth, he's a, he was a two-player, two-way guy. He played the outfield. He gave you a quality A-B from the left side. So that means his right arm was on the front side of heading, just like Otani. And Brandon Woodworth worked both sides because he knew he was going to have to hit some, and he may have to hit more than the other guy because he stayed in the game longer. But he was—he worked hard. He always uh, worked on his endurance-type strength, um, which is what I always preached. And you can mix it up by doing light tubing. You can do light weights. You can do combo exercises where you're laying prone or face down and you put light weights on your wrist and forearm and you do what I call a Superman exercise. And that works the external rotators and the scapular stabilizers. And remember what I said, external rotators are the brakes and the scapular stabilizers are the chute on the back of the dragster. So you got to work these, these muscles to create a balance. If you continuously work to accelerate and internally rotate, and you, you're creating an over uh, problem, a worse problem than, than what you're really uh, trying to do because it's going to be contradictive and you're forgetting to work the brakes. And that's what's got to stop the arm. And what's going to blow first? The posterior cuff. I hardly ever have seen the subscapulars and the lat get strained or torn in a pitcher. But I am today. I've seen it more often than not. So uh, I think you, you need to uh, listen to the method or the message in the madness here. Uh, there's a website created by MLB USA Baseball and the American Sports Medicine Institute, what well, it's formerly known as Alabama Sports Medicine. Um, and this website is called pitchsmart.org. Uh, pitchsmart.org. And it's a detailed article. Uh, on proper pitching mechanics. And there's also the Clinician's Guide 
to baseball pitching Maya mechanics. And you know what the best part of that is? It's free. So you search the Journal of Sports Health, and you'll see the authors are Dr. Glenn Fleissig, who's a biomechanist in Birmingham. Um, he studied mechanics and uh, how it relates to pitching healthy. The other three authors are Dr. Jeff Dugas, Dr. Lyle Kane, and physical therapist Kevin Wilk, who I've known all of them for over 40, 30 years. And they are the pioneers on all of this. And they're the ones that are seeing uh, what we're seeing today, things that are going in the wrong direction. And Dr. Andrew is my good friend of uh, 40 years now. He says he spends more time talking parents out of Tommy John and they come in begging for it on a 12 or 13 year old. And my thinking is that should never happen. It's not cool to have somebody have a Tommy John or UCL surgery in their junior high or high school years and now they already got one strike against them and now they're getting ready to go into the draft and they already had one Tommy John and working on the second one. Come on now. That's not cool. Well, you know, TC, what's, what's amazing is, um, one, Dave and I could sit back and listen to you talk all day. It, it doesn't matter if you're just exchanging knowledge with the audience or telling some of the stories uh, because you're a great storyteller from the past. But the one thing that sticks out to me because it's happened many, many times on the show is the different names that continually pop up. Um, we had a conversation on um, uh, Wiley and Will had Jim Palmer as a guest and and he told the story about Robin Roberts being his first roommate. And I knew the whole story because I learned from Jim Palmer and Robin Roberts at two different times in my career. And then today you bring up two guys who I've worked with, with both of them. Mike Maddox, I was a pitching coordinator for the Brewers when he was the big league coach. And just like you, you laid out, um, he was phenomenal at teaching pitchers. And sometimes you could say a 4A pitcher but he could teach you how to get big league hitters out. It was all about how you got them out, uh, not how you blew them away or not how you, it's how you got them out. And then, of course, I was in the Oriole organization when Ray Miller was the big league pitching coach and threw many of bullpens with him, talked to him about a little thing, and everything you stated was so true. And that's the amazing part about this game is, is there's so many people that the names just circle back because what they're trying to get across to the audience is how to do things the proper way. It's not about reinventing the wheel. This is about doing things that have worked, uh, whether you say it for the human body or whatever way you want to put it, biomechanics or anything, to try to be successful in your performance and yet be healthy so you can do what you love for a long time. Um, one of the crazy parts is you, you, you said one thing that just, uh, light bulb went off in my head that I've always stated that everything before release points about performance and everything about after release point is about long-term health. 
and you you stated it eloquently. Um, yeah. So how about how about this, TC? Because I've known quite a bit of your different stories and everything. You got any fun insights you'd like to uh, share with the audience? Um. Well, I remember back in the day when uh, Roger strained that groin, and uh, you know it was kind of a accidental thing. Um, I was rubbing some Kramer Jusic on his groin, which is a hot atomic type bomb, and then I would put this plastic over it, which would hold the heat in, and then I would uh, wrap him with a double six inch wrap and it would it was called a spiker and it would go around his waist and his leg well this particular day i turned i'd already rubbed a, a bomb on him and uh he was holding his cojones out of the way and i turned to get the plastic and he accidentally dropped them on the hot stuff and uh, he went out that day and threw a three-hit shutout so from then on, he decided that he was going to heat up his cojones as a routine. <laughs> it gets even better. I had a kid named Josh Banks in the Blue Jays organization back in the day, and he heard about that story, and he was heating up his cojones before he went out to pitch. He said he had read where Roger Clemens had done it. I said, I was there that day, Josh, and it was an accident. And then it became the ritual. <laughs> so Jock Spanks used to do it. And he got to the big leagues a little bit, too, to pitch, I think, with the Padres. But uh, my take-home message here is, if you're going to do that, you might as well do the exercises and work just as hard. And uh, <laughs> let's, let's work on the stuff that works. And, you know, I've never seen a mule win the Kentucky Derby either. And these gurus out here saying, acting like people are going to throw 93, 94 miles an hour. How about if you can't do it? I don't care. Number one thing is you better have the base, the strength. You better have the, the endurance and be the last guy throwing the hardest. I don't care. Healthy is the number one word. You got that right. It's funny. We often think. Who wins the World Series? The last team that is the hottest and the healthiest. Yep, exactly. Dave, um, we know since we've been together for a while now how many times we've had the conversation of, uh, you know, we can't train a 12-year-old like a 40-year-old Roger Clements. So since the audience has hold that, heard that story over and over, I want to, uh, I want to state, please, do not go to the pharmacy and get hot stuff, analgesic bomb, and put them on your kids' uh, cojones. As yes, that's, that's universal. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah it's, a, it's a universal theory we're going to stick with. I think that's appropriate. <laughs> but I also say, too, I've never seen anyone, I mean, I, I'm sure there are exceptions to the rule. Um, you got to have baseball savvy. You gotta have heart and you gotta have cojones all lined up. And if you don't have them, velocity doesn't mean a thing. <laughs> so 
you better get all the other stuff right. Like I said, preparation between A and J just to be able to do the long toss, the weighted balls and all that. Because if you're not prepared for it by doing endurance type training, I can promise you you're going to break down at some point. And it's either going to be the posterior shoulder or the medial elbow. And um, there's no replacement for endurance-type work. What's, what's your you – know, I know obviously pitchers have more strain on their body than, than position players in terms of the throwing and, and the rotation and the linear movements, but what, what kind of workload now do you apply to – to players, I know I we you, there was Paul Paul Molitor was mentioned. Um, what's the approach? What's the protocol? What are some do's and don'ts that you would you would apply to position players? Um, position players, of course, have to play every day or most days. So you got to think about that. Um, you can't go leave your game and practice. Uh, you know, one of the big mistakes that they more is better in the minor leagues. I see guys. And, you know, taking a thousand swings at 12 noon, at one o'clock, and then you're underwater by game time. Uh, so you got to be smart. You know, you don't want to try to lift the ball and put torque on your back either. And then you're all, uh, your, your body goes in a spasm because that's this way of protecting you, sending you a message. You got to slow down. And, uh, I don't think you should go up there and try to hit, see how many balls you can hit in the seats at 5 o'clock. I mean, I had a story one time that Derek Bell came up to the big leagues and he was rattling the seats in Toronto and saying to Dave Winfield, hey, Dave, look at that, man. I'm just, you see that? And Dave Winfield said, Derek, look up there at that clock. It said 5.05. He said, you do that shit at 7.05 and then come see me. And, um, you know, things like that. I think position players got to be real smart. They got to stay in tune with their bodies better in terms of pelvic obliquity, which means lower half alignment. You can't be all twisted up and then, you know, swing through it and get worse. Uh, I think their core's got to be strong. Um, again, their legs have to be the base. And uh, you just can't do everything to max effort. And uh, especially you can't do it in practice because when it becomes game time, you'll have nothing left. And Molitor was one of the best at pacing himself. He played every day. He never. He always stretched. He never missed that. He took BP, um, and he went out and played. And I had him at age 37 and nine surgeries later. And uh, he was the MVP of the league that year. And we won the world championship. But uh, he was a true pro, and that's why he's a Hall of Famer today. TC, one of the things uh, I've mentioned many times when uh, I was blessed with the opportunity to learn a lot about pitching in the Oriole organization, and half the times Ray Miller used to tell me to just stand next to Flanagan and McGregor during BP and pay attention and learn. And 
Then uh, I had a little bit of a mentor in Jim Palmer when, when we were rehabbing together and stuff. And I've often mentioned how, all, you know, how many Cy Young winners the uh, Orioles had had. And, and of course, the, you know, historical four guys on a team with 20 wins. But um, it's quite a feat when you understand that in 96, you had Pat Henkin win the Cy Young. And then 97 and 98. So during your tenure, you had three Cy Young guys in a row. Yep. And I had three quality pitchers, and there were probably a lot of others that had come through there, too. Um, but Pat Hankin was a hard worker. In many, in many cases, he was too hard of a worker. He never really rested much um, until he had to. In the year he won the Cy Young Award, he had over, I want to say, like 260-some innings pitch. Um, if you look at how many complete games that is and uh, everything we went through. Pat Hinton was always working on something, maybe too much. And uh, what I mean by that, he would be have a tubing uh, working in his locker all the time, doing external rotation. He would come in and do some manual resistive work with us and um, – you know, he would, he would run and do whatever he had to do to stay in cardiovascular shape. But one time I told my assistant and uh, myself, I said, we're going to put a clicker or a pitch counter, a little device like you pitching coaches use, in our pocket. And Jeff Horn was my strength guy. And I told Jeff, I said, every time you see Pat Hinkin, doing some exercise or throwing, I want you to click that thing. And I'm going to do the same. And I said, what we're going to do is we're going to see how many clicks we get from the time he toes the rubber today to take his warm-up pitches in a game and the time that he gets on the mound to take his first warm-up pitch in his next start. And I want to see how much of that, it, what it comes out to be. And it came out to be over 1,200 clicks. So I had to go to Pat and say, Pat, you're doing too much. you got to rest. And I said, you know what? Rest and recovery is just as important as work. And that's a, one of the biggest things today, one of the biggest uh, misnomers that I see. People think work, 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 and more is better. Well, if you're going to do some work, work your rotator cuff, do some bands, do some light weights, but even then, don't overdo that. You got to save your bullets for the game. You throw them aside, you don't feel good, take some off, do less. You pitch a good game, you come out of the game, you do some rotator cuff work, maybe one set, and be done with it. Next, let's say you come out of the game early and you got your ass kicked. That's when you do more because you got more left in the tank. You exhaust your cuff with the weights and the band and get ready for your next outing. But earn it. Don't just do stupid stuff that takes away from the, the day you're going to pitch. 
So rest is just as important as work. We see the total opposite, I think, and Jim alluded to this when we were, when we were you know, kind of making the joke about the, the cojones uh, and, the, and the hot stuff. But we see it in reverse now. We see our youth players, parents driving them from lesson to game to they're overworking things. And we see it either it's manifesting itself in the big leagues or these guys are, you know, that you see a lot of load management where pitchers are only throwing 120 innings in a season now and, you know, four and four and a third is a game. It should be flip-flopped. You know, you're, we're talking about the body parts, and Jim impresses this upon us every week, and so does Sal. How important are the hips in all this? I'm sorry I didn't get the last part of what you said, Dave. Um, how important are the hips in all of this? The hips are a big part of it because they're part of the kinetic chain. From you got the ground. From the ground up, you got the, the legs, and then you got the hips. And then you got the core or our abs. And uh, if you don't have a good core strength, you got a short circuit. But uh, I don't believe in a lot of torque and cranking on the hips. Uh, I got a young girl I work with. She's a softball player. Her dad used to play at Appalachian State as a catcher. So he teaches her the right stuff. And, but she, a lot of her issues, she's only 17 years old now, a lot of our issues in the low back are due to cranking and trying to lift the ball and, uh, you know, all this rotation uh, and doing it multiple times. Uh, I, I'm a firm believer if you hit the ball square more often than not, uh, it's going to leave the ballpark uh, due to backspin. Uh, you don't have to create angular velocity and all that. That stuff, uh, if you square it up more than the next person, you're going to have better results and less right-hand turns to the dugout. But, yeah, I I, work, I got her working on her core with a, a ball between her legs, and she squeezes and then does her sit-ups and does uh, bridging. And, um, but the main thing is I'm telling her to don't overdo it when you, when you go to the the gym or when you go to the take BP, you know, you don't want to crank your hips and, uh, and get in a lot of hard rotation, but, the, but the hips are a key point. But I think if you break down the hips, when you're pitching or hitting, uh, you're going to lift the ball or you're going to throw it high, but your backside and pitching and hitting is very important. And you got to hit against your backside, and it's got to be stable. And they're teaching every all the kids today to kind of lift the ball and rotate and swing up, almost collapse on their backside. Right, and you collapse, you're going to hit a lot of pop ups, and uh, to the first baseman, <laughs> and you're going to take a lot of right hand turns to the dugout. Yeah, you know, one of the things, TC, is um, uh, hopefully in the future we're going to have uh, Christopher Romano, who's the minor league strength coach for the Detroit Tigers. I spoke to him last week. Uh, once he gets ready for spring training, hopefully we're going to have him as a guest on the show. And he coined a phrase. I, I read his book on uh, on um, 
strength training and youth development. And, you know, it's all movement-based and it's very similar to another guest we're going to have being movement-based. But he coined a phrase that I absolutely fell in love with, especially for the, for the 14 and under market. Uh, he called it anti-rotation. So it's kind of goes hand in hand with what you just explained. The focus shouldn't be on rotation. The focus should be on stability, you know, and getting through the baseball instead of around it. Exactly. Yep. And I think you'll see that same approach was taken back in the day with the strength coaches, you know, that I had. Um, one that comes to mind was Jeff Crushell, Crusher. He would work on the core a lot and he would work on the lower half. And he, he was a great, uh, strength coach who worked alongside of me and with me and he he preached pulling over pushing and um, that's that's one of the keys you're talking about having Christopher on I'd like to get maybe um, Dr. Keith Meister on and uh, even Dr. Jim Andrews um, before he retires completely have him come on and talk about uh, what he sees as an orthopedic surgeon the last 20 years and how things have, you know, trended in the wrong direction. Well, what, uh, I know we've, we've kept TC for almost an hour here. What haven't we gotten to Jim that, that we want to make sure the audience gets, cause we got to have Tommy, we've got to have you back. Not just one more time. I'm, I'm making you commit to multiple times. You got uh, tons of information at our, both our young and old audience needs. So what haven't we covered, Jim? What do we want to get out there through TC? <laughs> About been out of stuff. I got to save some of it for the next show. No, we, <laughs> I've been trying to, I've been trying to put 40 years worth into a thimble and shoot it out there through a fire hose. Well, you got their attention today. I, I took notes as well. Uh, uh, lots of them during the show and, I love when I get smarter, and I definitely got smarter today. We have a very sophisticated audience. Um, they'll, they're going to eat your stuff up like candy, and they're going to ask for more. So um, what, do, what do you think we haven't covered yet, Jim? What do we want to get to with TC so we can make well, sure we get full advantage of him? I, I'd like to bring something up, okay? Um, like I said, I've known TC since I went to work for the um, Blue Jays in 2000. Um, we worked together um uh, now, let's remember something. I'm, I'm, I'm coming to work for the Toronto Blue Jays in 2000. Nobody knows who I am. I'm, I'm just a guy, you know, basically that uh, Chris Buckley, who was at the time the assistant director of scouting, he had always talked about me to uh, Tim Wilkin, who was the director of scouting. Uh, they bring me into the organization um, at the time that year, uh, the the phenomenal uh, pitching coach Scotty Breeden uh, becomes ill they need a pitching coach so I find myself working on both sides scouting and and development and from the first conversation that you had with any Blue Jay it didn't matter whether it was development or scouting it didn't matter whether it was um, Dave Stewart or or some legendary scouts that have been doing it you know far more than I can even remember um I had a connection with TC and the reason being is because TC accepts a person for his knowledge and the understanding of that knowledge. 
it doesn't matter where they acquired that knowledge. You know, you you could you you know you could have lived lived in a shack by the side of a creek and studied on your own, and all of a sudden bring some insights and some thoughts and experiences to the table. TC wanted to hear it. He wanted to discuss it. He wanted to have conversations about it. So you're talking about a man that in one breath, he can tell you about a 30, 40 year old uh, friendship with Dr. Andrews, probably one of the most revolutionary orthopedic surgeons that we've ever heard of along with Dr. Job. And then he could sit in a training room and have a conversation with Jim Rooney in his first year of uh, trying to go to work and see if he can, you know, make something positive happen. That's the beauty of TC. And, uh, that's something that I w- will always appreciate and always thank. Um, there, there's times I'm driving down the road and all of a sudden there's a text message from TC. Hey, Runes, how you doing? Before you know it, we're on the phone for two hours, you know, just exchanging ideas, thoughts, concepts. And here's the thing, no matter how successful he's been and no matter how much he's accomplished and brought to the table, the number one thing on his mind when we have conversations is how can we help kids and how can we start making this a little better because it's going down the wrong path. We, we got to do something. We got to figure out a way and we, and we can do this. And, you know, if we were able to do this and it's always about moving ahead and moving ahead and always about making a positive contribution to help people. So that's why at the start of this podcast, I said I was so honored to have him on because that's the type of person he is. Thank you, TC. Well, thank you, Jim, for the kind words and uh, all the years of our friendship. Um, but I, I truly think that uh, the stars aligned, and um, this is what I was put here on this earth to do. And uh, I always wanted to do a show like this and talk to the youth of America and the people that are out there now, the parents, and get them uh, thinking a little differently and what worked for us. I may not have all the stats and the data to back it, but it's kind of hard to replace 40 years of experience, you know, when you've looked and seen pretty much uh, any scenario that that could come up. And a lot of that is um, just because of, all the people I worked around and uh, the people I worked alongside of in the game. And I worked in a baseball utopia and when I was with the Toronto Blue Jays. And that's going to be hard to replace. And I don't like the way that things are going today in terms of uh, injuries and preventing them. So that's the whole purpose. That was my, my reason for coming on so I could you know, give an impactful message. Well, I think we, we hit it off in the beginning when I, I talked about the two of you, uh, you know, saying that smart people find value in thinking about things in first principle. They rely on that 40 years of experience, the trials, the tribunes. Uh, it's not it's not about the formulas. It's about first principles. And uh, you two exude that. You, you, you're as smart as any two individuals I've been around in or out of the game. And you know the science as well as anybody, but you know the people too. And I think that's what's being lost today. We're so locked in on this make-believe, uh, perceived best way of doing it, the chase of velocity. 
the chase of force that we're, we've lost the, uh, the art of pitching. We really have. So thank God you two are, haven't given up on it and you keep pushing the envelope here with the grassroots all the way through the big leagues. So what are you working on now, TC? Is anything, anything on the horizon, anything we need to know about our audience needs to know about, you know, that you're, you're doing that we can support. That's funny. You'd ask that. Um, I do work a little bit as a consultant for U.S. Tennis. I work a few tournaments here and there. But uh, more recently, um, Dr. Andrews has taken back his name from Health South, and he um, is opening up, for lack of a better term, performance centers, uh, sports medicine uh, surgery centers that kind of combined all into one. I think he has 18 of them. He wants to put the 19th one in Tampa Bay somewhere, and uh, hopefully I can work for him there and be the coordinator or director of sports medicine and um, keep talking about and pushing forward with what we've talked about today. What about you? What about you, Jim? I know you've got some things going on too. What are some things that, that you have on the horizon here? I know we talked about your book in the works. You've got the project up in, in the Northeast. Um, and then you're, you're always doing uh, clinics and work down there with, with the kids in, in your area. It is warming up by the way. Uh, children gave me a thumbs up. So you should get some warm weather when you leave this podcast and head back outside. What, what do you got going on? Well, I'll be heading, uh, the end of the month up to uh, New York metropolitan area to check on the uh, pitching kinetics program. Um, we're go right around the stage of starting to uh, get close to be on the mound and start doing some video work and some analysis. Uh, so I'd like to go up there and sit down with my brother, Mike Rooney and uh, Vinny Perez, because Vinny's been the hands-on guy up until this point uh, as far as evaluations and exercise prescriptions. So um, I'm looking forward to that. Um, I finally reached the point where I'm going to reach out to the publisher for the first book. Uh, it's basically completed. Uh, I just finally had the thought, you know what? It is what it is. Let's go for it and see what happens. Um, working on the second book, which is going to mainly encompass the things that we, we talk about all the time, you know, under the banner of, uh, triple spin, um, Creating force and controlling force, keto principles, uh, baseball principles, life principles, that stuff that all has to do with the concept of balance and rhythm and timing. And uh, after that, uh, I heard about TC and Dr. Andrews uh, uh, yesterday, and that's absolutely exciting news to think that that uh, hopefully can be uh, brought to fruition. And... Uh, I wish him luck in that. I thank TC so much for coming on today. Dave, I thank you for uh, putting us up with us uh, rambling a little bit, you know, about old times and stuff. But I think that this was uh, one of the most productive uh, episodes for the audience. Um, because, as we've said many times over, the thing I love about this platform, the real voices of the game, is that a lot of times you're hearing uh, the same thing spoke about by guests and different hosts in different ways, in different words, in different language. Uh, and the more that people hear the message in different ways, sometimes they then start to realize, oh, wow, man, uh, you know, I think this is important. And now like seven, eight, nine, ten different guys have talked about it. 
And that was the beauty of having TC on today. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, he was phenomenal. Thank I think you guys we enjoyed it. We love it. And um, it goes back to the old Bill Parcells saying, I'm an upstate New Yorker. They used to bring the Giants into camp in Albany. One of my favorite sayings that he would say at camp, but he popularized it on TV was sometimes you get, you have to get hit in the face with a skunk enough to start smelling it after a while. So that's, I think, in essence, what we do. A less eloquent way than you said it, but we, we hit people in the face with a skunk enough. They're starting to smell it after a while. And hopefully we can turn, we can turn baseball around yeah. in that way. So, but next time, TC, we're going to let you tell the goats the ghost story for us. The kids will love that one. Uh, we'll get you to tell a ghost story online for us. But we, we'd love you. You gave us a treat today. I took a page full of notes while you were talking. Uh, I got, I'm probably going to say them enough to where I think they're my own thoughts after a while, like I always do. Well, I was but, clean today. I'm usually like a rim Larry, and I'm just getting warmed up. So yeah. you never know what may come out of this mouth someday. <laughs> turn you loose next time there but um no we appreciate you coming on episode 414 toe of the rubber uh with jim rooney here does a phenomenal job for us we're very lucky to have him with all his experiences and i hope the audience enjoyed this as well i'm sure you did closing in on we're asking for sixty-five thousand by the end of the month we're almost at sixty-four thousand today so i think we're going to get it um our subscribers have been uh, fantastic with us thank you to our sponsors uh, Blackout Coffee, Jaw Bats, Liquid IV, and Zencaster, our host. So we appreciate you guys as well. And now let's cross our fingers to see if we can't. Uh, we threw our hat in the ring and and uh, got a, a little bit of a nod from Sports Podcast Group. Uh, we're nominated as Real Voices of the Game for our production group, uh, all the shows together. And then our coaching current one got pulled out for one of the individual awards. So we'll see see how we do there. But we're fortunate in uh, just just over a year and a half we've been involved with this that. And we're getting some notoriety, and that's all because of our hosts and our guests. Uh, So we appreciate you guys. Guys, thanks so much for a great kickoff to a triple-header Thursday. And uh, we'll talk to you guys next week. Jim and TC, thanks so much. Thank you. Thanks, Dave. Talk to everybody next week. Time went on trial. We're talking baseball. Klazuski, Campanella.